Hey, Carl, I would definitely play Star Frontiers with you. The problem, of course, is time, right? I mean, unless we do like we did with Amy's birthday game and just interrupt an existing game and put it in that time slot. But, yeah, if we can find somewhere to play it, I would definitely play with you. Welcome to the Geomologist Presents. People are already putting out content for RPG a day week four, and I'm still behind it on week three. Well, here it is at the top of the show. You heard Jason Connerly. I had thrown down in week two that the game that'd be cool to run is Star Frontiers, and I did get a lot of feedback from that. Not only to hear Jason's call here at the top of the show, but Anthony Boyd, Boyd the Runeslinger himself, calls in, as does Spike Pit. So, We'll get into the calls first, and then I'll answer week three, the questions and prompts from week three. Yeah, I'm a little behind, guys. I apologize. Hey, Carl. Anthony calling in. It's not raining today, so maybe the rainy season is over to make room for incredible ocean storm season. But that's that's another story. I enjoyed listening to your week two update. It's a lot of fun. Star Frontiers was a game that uh, I didn't own, didn't get to play, talked about a lot. I've known people who have owned it, and they have you know, never stepped up to run it. Uh, so I've always been a little curious. Uh, it's in my current game group, the Saturday Alternators, that I do uh, our live plays on actual, uh, on, on YouTube with. Uh, one of the guys has promised in the future to run Star Frontiers after we get some other things off the list. Anyway, that's cool. Oh, also enjoyed the metacurrency about Warhammer. That was cool. Hey, Carl. It's Anthony calling in a rare moment at home at my desk. I'm trying out the experience of sending messages through the browser uh, on the desktop. We'll see how that works out. Calling in in support of your RPG A Day 2022 Week 2 broadcast. It was really interesting. I got to agree. I laughed out loud when you said, you know, living in space would be fun, but, you know, not where space sucks like the expanse. Yeah, that was a laugh out loud moment. I totally uh, agree with that. It would be nice to be able to fit into a uh, an advanced society with the ability to, to travel far through the reaches of space. And, you know, maybe not, uh, you know, war is forever kind of society like in in Battletech. Uh, oh, I also wanted to say it was a real treat to hear Eyes of a Stranger as the intro music uh, the last time I appeared on your show. So anyway, uh, take care and I'm looking forward to week three. Anthony, thank you for those calls. Yeah, you know, Star Frontiers, cool game. I will say I did get into trouble because I rolled that D8 and I got a three. And some people were like, 
Does that mean you're only going to pick three people to play in this game? I really like Star Frontiers. I'd like to play it again, get it to the table. Well, I guess the cool thing about that, well, one, you know, if more than three are want to join, they're welcome to join. You heard Jason already, Jason Connerly volunteer. Or we can meet a schedule. He works a lot, and uh, I'm shocked that he gets out the amount of uh, content that he is able to because of his work schedule, but it's pretty awesome, though it does prevent him from playing in games. But since he signed up first, well, at least he's one of those three, and I'm sure I'll get more. I guess it also means that I have more than three friends. So I guess it, it ends up being a positive, even though people were a bit upset about uh, only picking three. Um, hmm. Maybe we shouldn't have a die roll to see how many friends you have or that you, who you want to invite to the table. Anyway, um, yeah, no problem with sharing. I think I think Star Frontiers, yeah, I was kind of looking through it right now, and it seems pretty simple. Maybe I'll do a show a little later, um, not with these, but uh, where I can I make a character. I think that would be kind of neat to start off with and see what happens. Um, there's like an expanded game. There's, a, there's like a basic book and an expanded book, and it's been a while, but it looks like character creation. You just roll um, a D100 per ability, um, and then um, right, and then you, uh, you put them on there, and there's five ability scores, uh, stre strength, stamina, dex, uh, reaction speed, intelligence, logic, personality, leadership, and then you uh, put those in to your character sheet and then go from there, pick skills. It seems like there are only 10 steps, so pretty cool. I'll have to uh, do that in a future episode. Um, so anyway, yeah, good stuff here. And then I think you have uh, another, some more to say, and I'll comment about that afterwards, Anthony. And, of course, I completely forgot one of the main things that I wanted to talk about. In your week two broadcast, we were talking about Star Frontiers. I really liked this. I liked uh, how uh, detailed you got describing uh, Star Frontiers and your relationship with it and, and that sort of thing. But I also like how it seems to be leading to an action plan. Like, hey, let's play Star Frontiers. And that's one of my hopes for the effect of the RPG a day conversations in every year that they get people talking to each other and they get games further along uh, from the planning stage into your know, more actual play. It's like, yeah, we used to have a lot of fun playing this, so let's play it again. Or it reminds me of this new game. Let's try it. You know, anyway, good stuff. Now I'm really done. Probably. Hey, Anthony. Uh, yeah. I hope I do get this to the table. I guess in the other little stretch of comments, you mentioned Metacurrency for Warhammer and we're taking kind of a break from Warhammer Fantasy and doing a few, I guess what we're calling palette cleansers, doing these filler games to, you know, as I, one, prep for the next book, and two, just to do something else for a little bit, because we've been doing, I think, straight Enemy Within through two books, um, pretty regular every other Thursday, so maybe take a little break. I, I, I guess I feel like we've been doing that for a little over a year, which is kind of neat. I would say there's definitely something to be said for taking a break in between games, whether you break to play board games or take a break to play another game. And it, you know, I guess selfishly, I have a lot of games on the shelf. Um, and I'd like to get them to run. I think with Star Frontiers too, we there is a plan to run it as a like a filler game, like so when people don't show up and and run it. But uh, we decided on a couple other games. Um, 
Well, we decided on Octoon Cthulhu, which I finally got to run, which is kind of neat. We were running just a quick start, a quick, tri a quick trip through France. Um, so I'll probably talk about that, in a, that in, also in another episode. If I, you know, trying to make it spoiler-free, um, since it's pretty readily available and out there, and people are probably going to play it or would want to play it. So, um, so yeah, I think it's a good thing, and maybe trying to honestly. I feel like I need to contact my old buddy who I played Star Frontiers with um, and see what he's up to. I see him on, like I said, the Instagram and Facebook, but I haven't hung out with him for a while. So maybe I got to do it. And, maybe, and there you go. There, I think another actionable to reconnect with people that you used to play with and to see what's going on with them. Very interestingly, uh, not quite gaming related, but I will share this with my audience. So like um, I got a, a, a communication through i think that through linkedin um that they're doing a harvard rugby celebration day 150 years of, of harvard rugby and since i'm i played rugby and then when i went to college um i guess i got an invite and i'm deciding to go i think it'd be neat to see all those people that i haven't seen in um wow it's gonna be like 30 in 30 years i haven't seen some of these people in 30 years uh, since i played with them so it'd be really neat to go up to boston for a weekend and check it out. So reconnecting, it's a good thing, right? We got one more call and that's from Colin Green. Carl, you know what, it's quite funny. I got a little bit confused after your call into my show talking about Star Frontiers. My recollections of your own episode where you mentioned it were kind of creeping into my memory. And I was sort, sort of half responding to your episode and your calling. So uh, in the end, <laughs> I'm not so sure my episode made a huge amount of sense i was referencing nighthawks and the gift from your buddy and all that stuff but hopefully you figured it out and yeah um let us know how you get on if you do get a game of that going i'll be interested as i as i said in my episode to hear whether you think star frontiers has in fact aged okay or not it was a really nice little set. Anyway, take care, mate, and I'll catch you later. Hey, Colin, thank you for the call. Yeah, I'll let you know how Star Frontiers goes. I'm going to, in a future episode, make up a character, I think, and um, see how that process goes, and then give an overview of the rules or something like that, and then try to get it to the table. So, yeah, I, it's kind of funny um, how we think in parallel, like I've said before, and um, pretty neat that we have a similar history though of, you know, of playing, although I didn't get to dress up and have a D and D party, which I'm envious of, but um, like our, the games that we played seem very similar for the most part. And it's kind of neat that even though we're thousands and thousands of miles away, there is this parallel evolution in the hobby. So I think uh, with answering Colin's question or commenting on that, I think I'm going to dive in uh, to the prompt from this week. 
and the first prompt um, is actually day 15. So I'm going to do day 15 to day 21. And the prompt, because today is the 21st, so the prompt for day 15 is, who would you like to game master for you? I think I'm going to take a page from Jules of NZ and her podcast, and that she kind of listed three people, one that was probably impossible and maybe has passed away, one that is highly unlikely, um, and then one that for sure would be great to get to the table. So I think for you know someone to run for me that is impossible, I, I mean, I don't know. Um, I don't think any, I can't think of, honestly, anyone who's deceased who I'd want to. I know people have thrown out some former authors. Uh, maybe, you know what, uh, I think... Uh, I think I would love to have Ursula Le Guin run a game for me, very much seminal in my ideas and concepts of a fantasy world where the Earthsea trilogy, The Farthest Shore, and the others. The Farthest Shore won a book award in 73. I read it much later than that. But, um, you know, on top of the Earthsea trilogy that she, uh, she created, if you remember that archipelago and there was like schools of magic and, and the main character was a, a spellcaster. Um, it's just a kind of a neat thing. And I, I think I also wanted to run like a, a game set in that type of archipelago. But another thing too, though, is that, you know, her, her science fiction was also very uh, amazing and top notch and Hey, it'd be neat to run or play a game in the left hand of darkness um, setting and scenario. She was very much a pioneer um, in her work and her concepts. And I think Ursula Le Guin would be the person I'd like that would be impossible to get to run for me, but would be awesome to have her, her run for, for me. Um, so that's who I, that's my first choice. A second choice is someone I'd love to run, have me run a game that is alive and highly unlikely. I'd love to play in one of Monty Cook games. Monty Cook uh, is a author or game designer for a long time since second edition AD&D, he has some amazing adventures that are, that I still have some of the, his projects, like the, I think the, the Labyrinth or something like that, which was, how are players going to solve this? He is known for very deadly uh, creations. And then, of course, now he has, you know, his own game line. He created Tolis uh, during the 3.0, 3.5 days, which I, is now, now has for his own game system, although you can also play it in 5e. Um so in his company usually runs a cipher system or has published cipher systems of Numenera, uh, the strange, etc. So I, and I've, I've seen him run some actual play for uh, one of his games and it looks really fun and I'd love to be a part of that table, but who am I? Um, actually though, uh, someone who also might be highly unlikely, but was kind of cool. Cause I saw this in a Twitter feed the other day is uh, Tom Morello. So Tom Morello, the guitarist, and political advocate um, of Rage Against the Machine. Apparently, he was in a D and D club in 1980, circa 1980. So um, I know he uh, it'd be kind of neat to. Um, I think he graduated like. Um, I feel like he graduated in the 80s from also from Harvard. So he's an alum. So through some sort of alum organization thing, maybe I could get in touch with them and then have him if he still plays D and D, have him run a game, and be me and Vin Diesel and. And some other famous people, not that I'm famous, you know, playing in the game that Tom Morello ran, that'd be hella cool. I'm sure you jamma, 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 
you know, in between as, as a, in riff and stuff and had his own music to the game, it would be pretty exciting. But, but the person who realistically I would love to run a game for me, I'd love for my wife, Amy to run. And you've heard her on this show and she's, she used to not like gaming and thought it was like really silly. Um, she still has some issues with, um, particular types of games, but I think that's mainly not because of the game or the game rules because she's quick to get mechanics. That's why I think she'd be a great GM. Uh, she does. She's very good at impersonating voices. Uh, I love her Kasha voice. Uh, I was listening to, uh, we recorded her birthday game and I was listening to her Mary Talbot and it sounded really compelling. I know she's working on her Aussie voice. Um, so, so she can really get into it, I feel, and has a can master the rules. I don't know what she would run. She'd probably be comfortable running like Savage Worlds or Call of Cthulhu. But I'd love for my wife, Amy, to run a game for me and maybe some of you all who played with her so you know she'd be great. So, um, so yeah, that's the first prompt. Next prompt is what would be your perfect game? And, you know, I think I've had that already. I don't know how I can top um, some of the antics that we run or played in uh, Warhammer Fantasy. One of the best game sessions I had uh, was when we ran um, Graham Davis's famous, infamous uh, Rough Night at the Three Feathers, and that was one of the best games ever. The game where um, the, the game where we had the episode where the priest of Sigmar leapt onto a Skaven warp creation. Oh, actually smashed it and then leapt off of the creation while it was exploding and then landed in front of the Gracier who had helped with the design or, you know, was the big bad in this whole, this whole adventure. And then he and another player kind of took him down fighting rooftop to rooftop. I mean, again, in our enemy within campaign where our, our former, he was a former uh, assistant and now he is a duelist where he fought a noble, stood up to a nobleman and fought him and um, cut off his penis. That was a fantastic and funny session. And then more recently, I think the four-way battle that I had in Hyperborea. So I've had many a perfect session. I think what, what makes them perfect, the players have fun, the GM has fun, hilarity is there in the background or an amazing feat of, of daring duo where the player you know, puts his puts the dice in his hands and is like, I really need that critical role or that really, really good role with what's going on and they and the dice are with them and they do it. So recently in the Hyperborea game, for example, Brunkel, BJ Boyd's character crit in each of the fights against the main antagonists who who were leaders of each of the three groups that they fought, for example. Um, it was really neat to see that happen when you when a player proposes something daring and the dice favor them is always a fun and perfect thing. I think everyone has a great time when that happens. And um, all those examples I gave are things when that was when the dice gods were with them. Um, so I think that would be my it's my perfect game. It's when you when the player proposes something and they and it happens right it, you know, with the randomness of, of die rolling. Um, they they get to do the crazy thing, and it's kind of neat. And I think, I don't know what my favorite game is necessarily, but I think most of the games that I like, I kind of 
have a pension and people know this to post-apocalyptic. So I think it would be future when I like my game set. Um, our T2K game has been going strong over a year. Um, I, all, I collect post-apocalyptic. I see, um, you know, kind of things that are like Mad Max, the after fallout on my shelf, you know, broken earth, uh, right? There's a brand Kevin Crawford's, Kevin Crawford's other dust. I really like the post-apocalyptic genre. So I think that that's kind of future. Um, even if it's kind of a strange thing, that would be my, my favorite place to play is actually, ideally it's great to play in someone's home. Um, you can get up when you want to take a break. You can go to the fridge and get something to drink. You can order food out. Um, so I think that my favorite place to play would be ideally at someone's home. And actually we were talking about this, how this brings us to mind that we were talking about this. Um, one of my friends, I didn't know he, he now, I guess he used to have roommates and he doesn't have roommates anymore. And, and we had talked, we were talking about uh, maybe having a weekend at, uh, my friends, um, like a weekend at Bernie's, but hopefully no one dies. Um, maybe some play characters will and plenty of bad guys, but, um, yeah, it'd be kind of neat to just go to go to his house for a weekend and play. And I think that would be kind of neat and ideal. We could cook. You know, I think it's really neat that we do that because it's, it's fun. It's like, like we are able to play at my house um, occasionally when we have our friends over for dinner and they play the Deadlands game. I think that's the most fun because we can um, we're not restricted really by anything we can, can buy. You know, we we can eat to our heart's content and roll dice, play games. So I think uh, at someone's house or at my house, you know, is where we can host and, and run the game, have dinner together. I think that's what actually, yeah, that, that's part of that. To me, the social aspect of the game is, you know, I've had the most fun when we're able to, and that's what we kind of do in our, on our Thursday game, even though we meet at a at Dragon's Lair, our local gaming store, we order food and we eat together. And I think that's really part of it and makes it more, much more social and, and for us, for me, friendly. And that's, uh, that's kind of how I like to play. So why has my favorite game stayed with me? And I guess if we're talking post-apocalyptic, I guess the favorite game would be Twilight 2000, uh, the fourth edition. And I think it stayed with me, one, because it helps that my wife plays and really enjoys it and has really gotten into it. And it also helps that the players are invested. So that keeps me motivated and keeps me going, wanting to prep. And even when I'm not as well prepped as I could be, the players and, and their enthusiasm kind of helps me through to make it a really awesome session. And we've had some really good ones, um, good sessions. And it's a very, you know, a very good, solid group of four players. Um, and we've created kind of a neat, a neat world for them. The survivors, the Free Krakow Coalition, they have a home base. They have, can do missions out of that base now. Um, we're in like another phase and... Uh, their world is expanding here in, in Twilight 2000. I think that's why it stayed with me, because of the enthusiasm of the players, honestly. And, you know, the next question, how long do our games last? I feel like uh, Anthony and Dave should, um, Anthony Boyd and Dave Chapman, the people who organized RPG Day, should bin all these podcasts that they listen to and see what the average length of time of a, a player's play so, you know, back in the day, I was, I was listening to Jules's uh, entry and, and she says that, you know, she'd love to play like, like an all day, all night type of session. Back when I was in college and even some in high school, um, much to in high school, much to the chagrin of my parents, although I think they felt that that was better than me um, out, you know, doing crazy high school kid things, um, getting into trouble. 
So we would play like long hours, but now I think it's like three hours is like the time that I have the, I don't know, is it stamina, um, mental capacity to play at one time. And even some of these convention games that take four hours, I get very fidgety and I like, we'd like to take breaks, you know, maybe through the halfway point at least. And right. So in a three hour game, we can take a break at the hour and a half mark. So um, for my tired and old mind, I guess three hours seems to be ideal. So the last prompt then for setting Sunday, share an intriguing detail from a game setting that you enjoy. There's so many settings that I love and enjoy, but maybe keeping with a post-apocalyptic theme, you know, in T2K, I thought what was cool is that an artifact like the Black Madonna is real, right? So they, they've done a great job of taking real world items and yet it's sent in like a world war three that never happened um back in 2000 that's when you know the the world went to shit and there's a limited nuclear engagement between nato and warsaw pact but it, you know, it's kind of grounded in some a lot of the inspiration is it's taken on legends and lore from our modern day and even you know historically right so i love that idea of alternate history and I think those are kind of, one of that's one of the neat and intriguing details about about this game is that uh, you can use historical things that happen granted prior to the year 2000 and with the addition of their alternate timeline um, but you can kind of use that and I think that's one of the things that I like about this game and about a lot of games that are very similar to that where you can kind of use a historical event as a backdrop and uh, and roll with it make it a little weird make it a little different i mean for example so when i read about the black madonna and, and its relationship to to poland i also learned about krakow and pope john paul ii's close relate an intimate relationship with that so i was able to throw that and it made logical sense why he might be in krakow sure clandestinely but uh, it was kind of cool, I think, and I think the players enjoyed meeting the Pope. So, um, so now the Pope is missing, so that's part of another adventure. And uh, yeah, I think that's kind of a neat detail where you can do that, at least in Twilight 2000. But that you could do that for a lot of other games. But um, I guess for the exercise, to list uh, one intriguing detail about the game that you like. Well, I think I'll let you guys go. Thank you for listening. If you want to send me a message, you can reach me on Anchor. Uh, the apocalypse anchor apocalypse has not happened yet you can also e- send me a, a line or an email or drop me a message at uh, the geomologist at gmail.com thank you um tj drennan for the intro and outro music thank you david chapman and anthony boyd for putting rpg a day together here in 2022 and thank you amy for the cover clip art so without further ado tj Take us out with that awesome riff. If you and Tom Morello collaborated, that would be awesome too.